I know now what I want to say in my intro for my podcast. I'm going to start with a warning to other creatives. Create like it's your last podcast, last graphic, last painting, last blog post. There's so many forces out there that want us to be bland, and that is not possible with this fro. I have too many thoughts about celebrating us, reading what I want to read, pointing out donkeys, what links us together and shouldn't tear us apart. I also give you bonus content through Ten Fro's Bar on my Patreon and if you become a melanated nerd. I also will share content about getting the real tea on reality TV. Join me in this episode of Tim Froh is reading for the wild ride. And thank you for listening. I hope when the listeners listen to my podcast, they can absolutely hear the joy in my voice because I really like when I, what I do. You don't continue to publish several times a week, except for this week, because I'm only I'm not publishing my bonus episode. Oops. But I will, I think I do have a meeting coming up with someone. It's just gonna be a meet and greet because I had no way to um cancel this call. Um just a few minutes and to set up a later interview. Somewhat looking forward to it, but this is my vacation week. And Ethel is joining the show. I'm going to have to give her a cut of the proceeds. And that's mainly a part of my glow up. I enjoy my purpose as an indie podcast host. I have, I'm well up to 200 and 77,000 downloads. One day I believe I will get to that many per episode, but I'm absolutely just ecstatic when I'm at 2K per episode, 2,000 downloads per episode. The impressions that I'm getting continue uh, for uh, commercials continue to climb. Um, and in itself, it's just refreshing to know that I'm reaching up to 3,000 unique listeners a month. People are leaving, continuing to leave really nice five-star reviews. Um, Thomas Reed said, immerse yourself, the latest installment of the thrilling listeners. Um, That's a previous, uh, my foray into sci-fi on my, it's a bonus episode from a couple of weeks back. Thanks, Thomas. Sci-Fi Ventures, they're really into listeners. The Unsettling Reality, Addressing COVID Denial. Oh, that was on the OC. That was ridiculous. An honest review of the latest Housewife franchise, Unfiltered and Unapologetic, Bravo's World, and with Andy Coleman. (laughs) I like these. These are some new reviews uh, from this past uh, Friday. I didn't read this one. It's from Patrick, a character development without Candy Burris. The essence of Bravo. Yeah, yes, I'm really into Bravo Nation and I really take a deeper dive into Real Housewives of Atlanta and my lack of interest and wondering if they're going to revamp. And it seems like the listeners are all in agreement with me. And I also talk about the NBA as well as Cowboys. Again, I hope y'all can hear the joy. That's Ethel barking joyfully at my sister every time she moves. (laughs) But I am just happy that I have the opportunity to basically share the knowledge and my interest with the listening audience. You can basically leave your own review anywhere you listen to the podcast. I think everywhere except for Apple Pocket or Apple Cast or something like that. And if push comes to shove, 
um, you can just drop me a line at tenfroisreading at gmail.com. If it's not true trolley, I'll actually read it on air. And it's just, it's, it's just really fun that people are digging what I'm dropping. And again, thank you for support. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading tin I started woke history lessons as a means to not just reclaim the term woke has in the past, maybe what, four or five years, it has almost become a term, a curse, because the anti-woke agenda, now that is backfiring with the GOP, was just a means to rationalize and politicize and basically codify racism again. This is like we're, this anti-woke agenda is nothing but new Jim Crow and they tried it, but it's not working because we do have federal laws that they are running up against. And in spite of the advanced placement or college boards that's refusing to take a stand, I myself will continue to just report on some fascinating readings. I'm adding to my library, and you can actually find this on my online bookstore, Far From Beale Street. It says, this was written and it just got published recently by Samuel Friedman. It says, Into the Bright Sunshine, Young Herbert Humphrey and the Fight for Civil Rights. I only recognized the name vaguely. He was the vice, the v, vice president of Lyndon B. Johnson. And I'm starting to suspect, although Lyndon B. Johnson was a son of the South, he rose up through prominence through Texas, and he was the VP of the murder, John F. Kennedy. These are some, also some liberal leaning and in, in today's term, what we would call woke. And let me just, the correct term for that is it derived from us back in 2010s. It's alert to racial prejudice and discrimination. And also it included a broader, came and has come to include a broader awareness of social inequities such as sexism, homophobia, transphobia, all of those things are now coming to encompass that term. And it's not a bad thing to be woke, even though the GOP has tried to mislead the world and their constituents for the last five years, but I digress. This was a dude that could have swung to the other extreme because he was born at the height of the Dust Bowl in South Dakota, but he had a very social-minded father that basically uh, was against classism and against the equities. He went on and got a degree or was in some type of graduate program at LSU where he saw the ravages of Jim Crow and how he was a long-term New Dealer, basically because of his background now I'm talking about Herbert Hebert, y'all. But basically because of his background, but also he saw the social inequities of African-Americans at that time, how they hardly had, there was no indoor plumbing, there was no electricity, and they, because of other codes, local codes, kept them out of being able to benefit from the New Deal, even though we had, helped to elect FDR, what, four times? But anyways, 
He would go on to do great things, go back to Minnesota where he got his uh, undergraduate degree, basically on a state level, even though Minnesota now, they say, is the most racially segregated city in the South, in the Midwest, it wasn't during his time as a senator and as a local politician. He basically wanted to liberalize the Democratic Party, probably more so than we they are today. And he basically told, he basically was going up against the really racist South Southern Democrats of where Lyndon B. Johnson sprung. Let's see. He basically equated, and really, I mean, this is really deep. He recognized Jim Crow is very much similar to what had gone on with the Jewish people in Nazi Germany, because Nazism is just of the extreme of the Jim Crow codifications in the South. He could not stand the violence and the killings. And he also recognized how Black and Jewish American, our fight for racism and anti-Semitism was, it just made sense because of the egregious things that had happened to them throughout European and Western civilization, as well as our plight here in the, in the United States. He pushed racial justice at a time in Minnesota when it wasn't popular, hearkening back to what would actually happen to George Floyd. I think he would have been disheartened in finding out what his, what all the work that he had done had been forgotten and how it had taken one from one liberal swing back to a very conservative and racist and separate bigoted swing. He fought the Klan at a risk to his own life and safety. And I think it was probably him as well as the NAACP and some other agitators that basically propelled Lyndon B. Johnson the push to actually pass and codify the civil rights. He never backed down from what was right in his campaign. And I think this North Star, this truly liberal Democrat did great things, but it's almost been forgotten in history until today. And I'm grateful that Samuel Friedman wrote Into the Sunshine because I think I'm going to need to buy this my own self. But that doesn't basically, it almost, that is almost foreshadowed by Say Anarcha. You know, Henrietta Lacks, her, this other Black woman's DNA, how it has been used and abused as to the advancement of uh, medical science. This was a young woman and many young women on this plantation that were mutilated by a gynecologist, J. Marion Sims. And he not only mutilated this young woman who had a fistula. Fistulas are, in a simple terms, are connection uh, from between the vagina, either the intestine or the bladder, can lead to fecal or urinary incontinence. He basically did these mutilating experiments on her to try to figure out a way to surgically correct this. He did it all in his backyard garage, no anesthesia, and probably dirty, using dirty implements, and probably making her situation worse. And she couldn't fight back, and nobody could protect her. He was praised for a number of years until we find out, found out what kind of butcher that he was. His misdiagnoses and botched surgeries left, a, it says, a suffering and trail of death throughout his prominence. He went from hero to bastard mutilator. It's a narrative that's really tied to the early forays in medicine and discovery. And basically, it's not too much different than what the Nazis did on Jewish and other subjects during the reign of Nazism in the Third Reich. It's like so many things 
the racist and this mutilation, how much it parallels in the United States history. You know what I mean? And people think it's actually absolutely okay to do these experiments, to mistreat people just based because they are because of their own imperial or white supremacy and how long it's allowed to go on. It happened here. It's This is Anarcha, the same thing with Henrietta Lacks, the same thing as the Tuskegee experiment. And then the Nazis in, in other places, if you look, probably look into the pogroms with the Khmer Rouge, those things are almost parallel in our history. And in some instances, apartheid in South Africa, some of those things are basically what we started here in America and it just goes, become on crack. It's like you want to be, I'm glad to be a trendsetter only for positive things, but I'm tired of still discovering how we actually have become the poster children for this kind of nonsense and the people are trying to cover it up. Therefore, an anti-woke campaign and the subsequent generations are not knowing what the history, true history really is. Because once you forget your history, you fail to, you are going, you're just going to be, you're going to repeat it. Learn from the mistakes of the past so you won't repeat them in the future. The same thing. If people realize just how woke Herbert Humphrey was, was would have Minnesota, what would have Minneapolis have fallen into the state it would have been, and some 50 years later have the same thing, the rise of anti-police and the rise of racism that separated and fractured that city. If they could have actually held on to how harmonious people can actually live and then grew and then expanded upon it, Minneapolis would not have had, would not have issues like it is. People would probably go to a doctor if they would not thought they would be misdiagnosed or mutilated like this fool did in Say Anarcha, written by J.C. Hallman. From one woke extreme to another, but you got to learn from your history in order so you won't repeat those mistakes of the past. To my homegirl, Aquita J.L. Moore, Najee. Lift every chair and swing till all them white folks scream. Thought y'all could run upon our black king. I'm glad the squad pulled up, dedicated to knock if you buck. May it resound loud as the rolling sea. Throw your hats high in the air until Unc comes with the chair. Swim the seas until our cousins come and they rescue me. Let this be a lesson to y'all. Remember the Montgomery brawl where white folks fucked around and they found out. So I tried my hardest this week. I'm also trying my hardest not to move around so not to get any clicking in this episode. Several things have happened to me this week. Number one, I have not figured out how to increase the speed on my recordings using my the application that I use on my computer. So I'm going to suggest you increase it by 1.4 times because it's going to sound real crazy. And I tried not to record this week because I'm coming up on a vacation. But I guess celebrities, y'all keep us in the group chat and I keep 
having commentary on it. So here we go. So what's the latest? There is, I wanted to do an update on this because I hadn't heard about anything new and I pay a grip to subscribe to the LA Times for whatever reason. At one point I had taken a job, just a little background, I guess. I was actually in LA, actually Long Beach, doing an installation on a homegrown electronic medical record. And so, but I had started and I subscribed to the LA Times. Did I subscribe in lieu of that? I think I did. And I just never deleted the app. I never decreased, like stopped my subscription. And now they're helping a sister. So here we go. Lizzo's dancers as the big girl and big boy dancers. Oh, these are the ones that are currently on tour. They actually took to Instagram and are in support of her. They said the commitment to character and culture taking precedence over every movement and mo moment has been one of the greatest lessons and blessings that we could possibly ask for. What does that mean? I don't know. Her former dancers, they have alleged sexual harassment and hostile working conditions. But Beyonce, and I, depends on where I actually put this segment, actually was down here in Atlanta, basically showing out and I don't know if that segment where I talk about her show will come before or after this segment, but she shared a moment of sharing influential women throughout history, and she mentioned Lizzo. And she actually yelled out, she loves her so i don't know she basically included it in atlanta but she left it out in boston who knows but it seems like bay is in support of lizzo great no problem i just hope that the allegations of sexual harassment are unfounded but who knows so and that's just from the la times and I don't know why I included that because this makes me think that I probably need to go through again my subscriptions because I did a whole big $346 delete and unsubscribe. This may be one of the papers that I probably don't need in my life if I subscribe to the New York Times. Also, if I subscribe to the Washington Post, also, ain't no also, I may have to unsubscribe from Dallas. So that being said, let's move on. More pop tea. The Tui Fooey. If y'all don't, if y'all recall, and I didn't recall this because again, I don't watch the news anymore, but the blindside character basically is suing his former who he thought were his adoptive parents to get out of his conservatorship conservatorship what do you mean after this show this the book goes on to be a bestseller the rights are sold to make a movie and go on to win Sandra Bullock and Oscar, we find out 20, what, 14, 15 years later, he was never adopted. And I didn't, I basically only watched the movie once. And it's just like all of the Star Trek movies. I don't remember watching this movie in its entirety. I don't know if this was at a time where I was working and I fell asleep, even on Anthony Hamilton, even with being in the fir first row, asked my cousin Ronette, because I was good for paying good money to go to shows to fall asleep. 
But this particular one stuck out to me because he was the blonde side. This was the dude, this was the premise of the movie was this white family saved this destitute kid who is the size at 16, 17 was the size as a full blown linebacker and dude did go on to play in the NFL. But it appears that his current black wife is looking at his finances and is basically saying, nah, son, what the fuck is going on here? How did this movie go on to make multi-millions of dollars and win many awards? The book goes on to win many awards, becomes a bestseller, which is based on sales, and your finances are fucked. Probably many bad financial decisions like most NFL and professional athletes make, but this was more than that. This didn't make any sense. What also didn't make any sense is he was led to believe that he had been adopted by these white peep folks years ago. Come to find out they had entered in a conservatorship and he basically, they duped him into signing over his name, likeness, and image over to them. They are still making money off of him. They are still buying businesses based on his name, but they're not showing they're not sharing the profits. This reeks of Jim Crow and exploitation from white folks. And why would you do this? Like he wasn't going to find this out, uh, but there again, the black woman comes across and she's like, yeah, your coins ain't adding up. So I'm going to help you get around. This is the F-A-A-F-O. We're going to have to add Tiffany Tui in them to the F-A-A-F-O because she ain't playing around with her coins. She's like, if we're going to get together and we're going to get all your finances together, we're going to get all your finances together. And this don't sound right. You mean to tell me you've got a multi-million dollar on your back and you not profiting anything from all of this? This don't sound right. Tiffany sounds like she ain't, just street smart, she book smart. It wouldn't shock her that she's with Cheryl in them. And she may not just be a member of the FAFO. She may got a degree or two in business, accounting, or law. And she knows what the two did to him, that that white family did to this son, is foul. All I got to say is cut the check and stop. Just cut the fucking check. And also, the lawyers for the school system for Newport News, Richneck Elementary School saw one of the worst, uh, a teacher basically was shot um, by her six-year-old student, first grade teacher. Rightfully so, she sued the school 40 mil. Again, they need to go and cut the check. However, the lawyers that come back say, you only get workers' comp. Because evidently getting shot up in the school by a six-year-old is a work hazard for teachers in the public school system of the United States. Really? Is this what we're doing now? Is this what we're telling? It's okay for you to be a Glock to school because you don't get all your stickers and because you're not on the perfect attendance list? Boys, bye. Cut the check and stop fooling around with it. Stop playing in our face. It is not a work hazard. You should not have to suit up to go to school with your own Glock and your own flat jacket. If that was the case, then you need to be get hazard pay like the military, combat pay like the military, and be expectation to die and be armed as such like the damn police. Stop it. Either you need to give her the, either you need to, raise everybody's money and make this an expectation and increase insurance or you need to stop fooling and pay that lady her money again cut the check and stop and go sit down somewhere i'm tired of y'all and also chump he actually may have gotten me in trouble mentioning that just because does it really mean if you are anti-chump that you are somehow affiliating, aligning yourself with some political party. Hmm. 
you may just be saying that you can't align yourself with stupidity. And if that's the case, I don't need to work for you, but I digress. I think I need to say, I don't, I'm wondering why I have to say this. Dear GOP, why y'all, he has 91 problems, but y'all, and y'all don't want that smoke. We got this fool is bought up on 40 some odd charges, Rico in Georgia. He got 91 outstanding charges in four different goddamn states. And y'all still aligning with him? I think I heard some murmuring for that no moving face, his former vice president, that basically said no one is above the law. I hope he was referring to his ex-boss because he got, Trump got 91 problems and nobody want that smoke. Y'all need to basically either fish or cut bait. Y'all need to cut this goddamn bait and throw it and as chum, throw it back in the water because this fool ain't, you can't be on the right side of, you can't be on any side of right and of law supporting a criminal and sociopath. So what is it going to take? Why is he still running? He fitting to be locked up in the next six months. Y'all need to cut bait. For real, for real though. So Elon is on a quest to destroy how people communicate. Several points. I've watched in the last several months how the Twitter sphere has become a place of a place of just real it, it doesn't feel the same. I think people used to use it, it was weaponized back in the go-go days of the Trump presidency. And he maybe that's what they were. <laughs> I um, I love it when I have a stream of consciousness when I talk about other things. And I think I, in, I referred to the former president as Chomp on an interview. I guess that can be taken as declaring your political affiliation, but I think a lot of Republicans or the GOP and in, in most in general really do think he's a criminal and a chump, but I digress. People used to hide behind their keyboards and bully people and troll people. Um, I wasn't one of them. I used to watch the shenanigans from my computer screen or phone, but he bought it for an ungodly amount of money and immediately went in and basically started having fun, firing people people that are responsible for keeping it afloat, invited um, DeSantis on and it crashed because he had fired everybody that could keep it from crashing. It's ridiculous. I don't wanna do circles anymore. I have slowly but surely made my way over to threads because I'm not even on Facebook like that anymore. And I use Instagram um, to uh, follow my favorite people, look at their captions, and then I post my clips on YouTube. And Twitter has become a place, it's not my place anymore. You can make money when you, or your tweet goes viral or something that you tweet can make impressions. Um, that's how you get known and your followers. That's how you can become known um, when you basically can count followers. But the problem is now he's doing all of these things to basically not make it the same. And it's a person that has unlimited amounts of money and, un and, and unchecked power that they or will, and Elon has proven this, he basically changed it to X. He made you, you have to subscribe to get a blue verified check now. 
So it means nothing. Um, and he's basically seeking to destroy what he bought. And I guess he can do that. If you got $45 billion to piss away, go ahead on. But that's not the way that you do it. It's not a safe place anymore because you can't even block anybody. That's the whole point. He took away the block feature. Why wouldn't you want, there's some, certain uh, conversations and certain people, the trolls in particular, that need to be blocked. And it's like one of those safety mechanisms that he doesn't see, he doesn't understand why you would want to block somebody, but that's why you would want to block somebody. Because some people don't, are bullies and they, that feature is there to protect your own sanity to a certain extent. And he basically took it away. Does he want to bully people or does he want to make it easier for people to bully? I don't know. But what he basically is own worst enemy. And he's going to lead to the demise of probably one of the greatest uh, companies online. Some people make their scratch and it's going to mess up a whole bunch of people's bag advertisers in general and everyone in general and everyone in in total I, I i can't be on it anymore um i don't subscribe to it turn that feature off and probably as of september 1st i'm going to basically put my account on mute or take it like not public anymore because I, don't, I think the way the algorithm is gonna work, I'm not gonna get, you can't, you, there's even a limit on your impressions in some unverified accounts. It's just a big mess over there. And unless he sells it or they, uh, the, some investors or hedge fund buys it back after he de gets it completely devalued, I don't know. But the Twitter owned by Elon, yeah, I'm good, and I don't need to be on that platform anymore. The Shade Bunch, the Shade Bunch. I hope turning up for checks to pay for fake lifestyles were to be a part of the Shady Bunch. The Shade is real. I'm re-watching. What episode is this? I am in season eight, episode 14, where Kenya was at her worst, player hating on Kim Fields, who I, out of all the one year wonders, did not understand why she agreed for 60K to be on this damn show. If she had worked this like she was her character regime, Instead of being hippy dippy, mommy, she probably would have may have gotten offered another contract, but she just did not figure out how to include this franchise into her life. She didn't figure out how to basically even though she literally was married and literally was a housewife, she never rose to the occasion to include and, or never figured out how to intertwine Real Housewives of Atlanta into her life. And she let Kenya Moore and Nene Leakes run her off. Brings me to... Carlos King and the second interview that is breaking the internet. I want y'all to tell me why. Why are his interviews as a former Real Housewives of Atlanta producer has more views, is more highly viewed than the actual show on Bravo and keeps freaking breaking the internet? Mm -hmm. In the words of, uh, what's his name? Um, Candy's uh, manager, Don Juan. I'll wait. Mm -hmm. 
I'm not understanding any of this. I'm not understanding how just on her word, I've rewatched season five because it was it season six that Portia dragged her. And she goes on to be said that she's probably one of the misunderstood, most misunderstood housewife. Mm -mm. Kenya Moore played into her villainous role and you are not, and these are just my opinions, but she leaned into the mean pretty girl role and she slayed. She is reality TV gold. Unfortunately, Nene Leakes blue shouted her way into the number one slot. And she never navigated because she needs a Nene Leakes or somebody else to propel her because she does better when she goes up against like against like. But to carry a full show, I don't think we're seeing this. Her role in season 15. It is um, elevated, and I like seeing her with her daughter, Brooklyn, who I think is adorable, and no tea, no shade. The dress that she and Brooklyn are wearing is the same dress <laughs> that PJ, Portia's daughter, is wore the first day of school. Just saying, I want y'all to make that comparison, because I did. I was like, ain't this damn, the same damn dress that twirl and this girl are wearing? But that's just me. I do think that she fell into Phaedra's trap. She confided in Phaedra and being the shady Fei-Fei that she was, used all that tea against her. But that's who Phaedra is. And it took Kendra knowing, finding out the hard way, the issue. But why aren't the Bravo execs shaking in their boots and that a former producer keeps landing these interviews that are have more views than the actual show. What are your current producers doing? Are they just slacking getting a check and producing ill content? You got another show with a hundred bunch of white kids that they're championing getting an Emmy for. Yes. The Scandal scam or sham or scandal was pretty dope. But you mean to tell me that y'all couldn't do the same thing for the reason why that show exists, the reason why Vanderpump Rules exists is because of Real Housewife and y'all, they don't have that same Emmy buzz? Really? Again, bravo. Stop playing in our faces. But then you got shows like Love and Hip Hop Miami going into their fifth season with Trick Daddy and Trina in them. And I keep going back to something that Trick said in a previous episode. He said they had the most fun when they were about the music. And that, to me, was... TV go. Then I look at LaLucci, um, the one her sister slept with her man. She claimed herself as the uh, Queen of Soka, and then she got booed off the stage in Orlando. We got Suki trying to go legit, and don't get me wrong, she's a beautiful woman, but she is known for ratchet. I'm not sure, even with it's her new Afrobeats inspired uh, Casamigos is kind of dope, but she's known for some ratchet ass shit. And her fans, I'm not sure if this is going to go over well. And it, she is very talented, but she's also known for twerking and pussy popping on the handstand. I don't know, but I'm here for it. Is ratchet enough to keep me involved? And I did not know that, oh, what's her name? Trina left Raymond. I knew that was a match made in hell because he went from her assistant to her bae. And now, and she made some comment that she felt that she got tired of feeling like she owed him or owed somebody. Um, 
I think he did a reverse Todd on him. The reason why I think Candy and Todd are together because Todd was a successful producer and now he has all these multi-million dollar businesses and it works for them because he is talented, he got game, he got drive, even though he started off with Candy's support and he put stuff on hold and he supported her, he was able to capitalize on it and then go above and beyond any of the support that she originally had. So he doesn't really need her and her funds like that anymore, contrary to what you would think Mama Joyce and the rest of that family ratchetness would say. Raymond was started at the bottom, never basically expanded beyond Trina. And as Trina's uh, worth, financial issues, uh, her popularity has waxed and waned. He's never, you know, expanded beyond what her popularity is. He's never had or never, I don't know if he just made bad business decisions or nobody, or he did not have the same business acumen as a Todd Tucker. And so when he fell, I'm sure he was like, when, 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 because you, I gave up this, I gave up that, you owe me. She don't owe him shit to, for him to keep failing and not go out beyond her. And she, he, when he started failing, I'm sure he said, you were holding me back. No, you didn't. You were only held back with your own stupidity. Definitely not Todd. They were never going to make it because he never could get beyond his bitch assness. So there you go. Then Erica Mena, basically the only reason why I mentioned her because she's on Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. Now she was on Love and Hip Hop at New York. That franchise shut down. Um, and the reason why she's back in the flow is because uh, Safari and Amada have made their obvious chemistry now public when he gave Amada's kid to baby Rolexes. And he is allegedly hasn't taken care of his own kids. He said he going back and forth um, because he wants to see his kids. But according to Mena, he ain't doing shit for her or her kids. I can see that because she crazy as hell. He did the basically the same thing he did with her and all those other people. He basically, I'm what I get ring and people are doing just dumb shit, throwing drinks in people's mailboxes like this shit is funny. That shit ain't funny. That's dumb as hell. But anyways, I digress. So he is grand gestures. They're sitting on. Hey, not. Hello? Hello? Yeah, hold on for a minute. I mean, I was. So I'm back with fussing with my sister. She is going to be visiting me, and hopefully, I'll be able to record. Um, uh, uh, antics from our food trip, but that I digress. So Safari ain't shit. He is all roses and baby Rolexes, and he really ain't doing jack squat for his kids, according to Mena and his friends. And also according to Mena and Sierra from Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, he was just pushing up on Sierra. The problem with that is not only is that just dirty and low down and Sierra was one of his ex-wife's best friends. The reason I say was is because they had agreed not to talk about it on camera. But then Erica Mena, when she was with Bambi and her nonsense with Lil Scrappy, bought it up on the show, really. Basically a double cross, basically to have airtime 
and basically threw her friend under the proverbial bus. And the whole situation is just slimy. And it appears that Safari really doesn't know what he wants or who he wants. And he is basically out for screen time to pay for more diamonds and to pay for more bling. If the his Instagram is correct, he is all about screwing around and having fun. And Amada, DeNegro, DeLucci, DeNegro, whatever, is correct. They're both single. As long as she don't get caught up and think he's going to marry her, she literally just got out of a horrible relationship with her baby's dad. So why? I hope she don't think this is going to be her forever, man, because he is a just a proverbial fuckboy. And he got plenty of penis to go around with everybody. So. Also, Ray J is annoying me. He is trying to get some. He wants to go back to Miami and he, I didn't, I thought they, him and Princess broke up, but evidently they got on track in Miami, went to uh, Las Vegas. He has all of these scooty bike rake con deals going on and Princess is at the craps table and the poker tables and she's not good at it. She's $1.2 million down trying to get into the World Series of Poker, but she keeps losing. And he's freaking out because he is supporting her, that particular lifestyle. And she's not good at it. She's just enjoying it. And she's also enjoying pissing him off because he's screwed around on her for the last decade. So now she's getting him back by hitting him where it hurts in his pocket. Go ahead, go off, princess. I'm here for it. And Trick is also turning over a new leaf. He ain't part of the, he may be still part of the Eat a Booty game, but all he took out all of them fake fronts. Now he looked like uh, Fire Marshal Bill with the, all them teethuses. He's like, um, wait, a chaotic. Everybody, I think, went to the same dentist. Because all of their grills are looking fly in Miami. I hope they just lay off the lean, keep their dental health up, and they keep it pushing. But he's like, he's looking good. His skin is cleared up a lot. I think I, did I hear right? He had lupus or whatever. But whatever he has, he seemed to have taken care of himself. Now he looks moisturized and well hydrated. I'm going, I'm here for trick. I'm here for... Bobby, even Bobby Lights. I wonder if Bobby Lights is getting ready to come out as trans female. Because his picture and that ass of his in the the nude photo looks really good. I don't know if it's shots. I don't know if he got butt implants. But he and his abs or whatever, he seems to be different. And he is on some other type of vibe now. I know he's gotten into what he's good at as a DJ. Not so much as a just a rapper or a performer. Whatever he's doing, I'm here for it. Again, just messy. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, again, tolerate. What's her name? The Tip. Miami Tip. The ex-stripper. Now manager. She stopped drinking. I'm here for the turn up tip. She's just the same as um, Sukiyana. Everybody trying to turn over a new leaf when they were learn when they were known for ratchet. Who does that? But anyways, I think loving hip hop Miami is gonna be better than loving hip hop Atlanta because them bitches are fronting. And definitely better than love uh Real Housewives of Atlanta. I'm over it. I can't even watch the after show because even the after show is stupid. 
I may tune in for the reunion, but if I see another, any of them looking like a big bird in blue, I'm just going to be really pissed off. Even, what's her name? Marlo looks dumb in her fair. I just, uh, Real House, they need to revamp it. They need to bring back Portia because it makes sense with Shamia and Portia's sister. They need to even bring back Nene because even Kenya is seemingly bored. Because we're going to need another Kenya more hair care and somebody turning up in the show that makes sense to turn up. Not like that girl with Sheree. And they need to sit Sheree down again because her and her cheap ass, broke ass boyfriend from Huntsville, I'm so tired. And Sonya, she may do better as a friend of the show, but she's reading kind of boring right now. I don't know. And I'm tired of Drew's lying ass. It's like the crew that they have on now doesn't make sense because nobody is willing to basically take a deeper dive on the level of Teresa, Teresa from New Jersey or even Nene. None of them want to. Cynthia has gotten on my nerves it's for many seasons now. And I did not know just how annoying she was until I started re-watching from season five up until what I am now. But she doesn't make sense without Nene. She really doesn't. And Marlo doesn't make sense without Nene. Now, Nene said that she had her best read when she went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Claudia Jordan. If they would bring, even bring her back, if she was willing to share something deeper than her jacked-up feet, I would actually be here for it. But the days of them in Miami and Shamia Pussy popping, um, even with that lie from um, Phaedra. But that's, I digress. Out of all the OGs that they need to bring back, I think that Sheree needs to be sat down. There is no place for white-ass Kim Zolziak, because I hate her and her baby kids. There is no place, especially if you're not willing to participate. She never went on a girl's trip. They let her get away with that. The cast went on strike because of her nonsense. Do we need another Montgomery brawl to basically realize that we don't need another white savior? Because that Kim Zosiak and her wig are not it. She's what Nene called a monkey in a wig. Don't need her. Don't need Sheree or the other OGs that were just shady and fake. Who we also don't need is fraudulent Feifei. But I would like to see her as not a full-time peach holder. If she were to admit to her shadiness and how she shaded and what her premise was to get back at Candy also admit that she married Apollo for and to keep him under spousal privilege. And when the statutes of limitations ran out on fraud for the state of Georgia, so she wouldn't get Rico, that's when she divorced him. But the reason why she went and lit that match um, and burned both Portia and because she was a willing pawn in her shenanigans and she wanted to get back Candy because she credited herself for hooking her up with Todd and how successful their relationship was and the man that she had tried, she had married and probably had a lot of sex with and tried to remake over but was the just the Negro from the hood that he was and couldn't and refused to be remade over in her uh in her vision. I bet he would have promised her anything and then he reneged 
and then he went back to his old life of crime because that was easier from anything that she was offering. All he had to do was basically get some bodies and work out and look pretty and basically did her bidding and collected a check. But he didn't want that. He wanted all the fame, the fortune, the money, but he wanted to get it his way and he wanted to get it. But he went, but he was stupid because he still got caught. And she wasn't going to bail him out again like she did the first time. And then he did not have anything over her head because, again, statutes of limitations and spousal privilege, if he knew that. And she knew that. And she and Phaedra Parks wasn't dumb. But at this time, in 2023, 2024, if she were to admit to all of that and to come clean, because she at this time has nothing to lose, I would be down with her going, coming back on Real Housewives of Atlanta. That would make the franchise. That would get her an Emmy. And would get all of them an Emmy. And would get the ratings back. Because that shit would be real. And I would be, that would be dope. If she would really tell her story, the story behind all of it, why she did, the real reason why she did what she did, the real reason why she married and then divorced his ass. All of that, and even maybe bring him back with his current wife and just tell the truth. Again, statutes of limitations. Y'all could get, and y'all would be get paid and get an Emmy and remake the franchise and all of y'all could prosper. I would be here for it, but I'm not here for this foolishness that's going on now because your current ratings are to, are the type of ratings people talk about right before they get canceled. Unless you've already been greenlit for season 16, a sweet 16, because this BS and these ratings ain't going to get you there because half of the people that are under contract now, they don't deserve a contract um, to come back for season 16. They need a whole rework. But that storyline, putting it to rest, this is how you get an Emmy. And it would be the best scandal unfolded. The reason why Phaedra didn't come back and Phaedra setting the story straight as well as making amends with the two cast members that she so that she so severely screwed and the lives that she so severely you know interrupted making it right with Candy and Portia would be amazing there would be no need for that what's her name that other bitch that's what came on with Sheree. I don't understand why she's there. We would need Monietta, Don Juan, Todd, Carmen to hold Candy back because when Phaedra walks on and it would need to start out like in one of, she needs to roll up in like Blaze or somewhere like that. And um, Candy and Todd are just kicking it. And Phaedra walks in and she says, can we talk? And they go outside like to one of like the outside place where they have the fire pit. And she says, this is a long time coming. And I think, and they could base the whole season 16 on that conversation. Maybe she needs to come in with Nida. And they need, and Peter, because then they need to bring Peter back. Because I like Peter better than I like Cynthia Bailey. And then she needs to explain 
or just say she needs to basically make amends and just tell the reality of what was going on. But the conversation and her making amends with Candy Burris Tucker has to be made. And the reconciliation between her and Portia, that needs to be made. And then they all come together for a twerk off um, right before the reunion. And the real reconciliation that the fake one to replace the fake one that um, uh, Phaedra had, I forgot where they went to and they had the reconciliation, but that would be really dope. And it would make sense. And of course, Kenya can't be involved because she has a tendency to try to bring, as an Aquarius, to bring back all the focus to her and why she, she's going to try to figure out how to insert her into their reconciliation. But I think that is actually going to be separate. Maybe they, she, they need a whole several scenes of when uh, Phaedra tries to make amends why she came after Kenya so hard. I can see that. But the biggest story would be her reconciliation with Portia and with Candy because her manipulation of Portia to get back and tarnish Candy, to destroy Candy, that can't go on. That can't go. We're still talking about it. It's been like, what, eight years, eight, nine years? And that could be the one storyline. If you're going to go back on some storylines, not the stupid Marlowe bullshit, not any of that nonsense, but this storyline and her making it right, this is how you can save a franchise and get it and get awards. I'm just saying, y'all need to, dear Bravo, y'all need to listen to this part, this part of the podcast in my ass. And that's it for this episode of Ten Fro is Reading. You know, I talked cash-ish all last year. I hope the listening audience will continue to enjoy my opinion and not so subtle shade. I mean, I'm 2,000 listeners per episode in, so go run tell that haters. I may take it on the road if I get hint hint sponsorship. Navigate to dalesangelsinc.blog for swag and extended podcast notes. Don't forget to hit like or leave a five-star review. It gets me on top of the algorithms and it may just get you on my show. 2023's motto is boss up and get the bag. And as always, tell a friend and thank you for listening.